Hi everyone, and welcome to episode two of Always Foolish, a positive Doctor Who podcast. Uh, we are a positive Doctor Who podcast, as we say in no. a uh, strapline, which means that what we do is we look at uh, unpopular or less well-favoured Doctor Who episodes in each episode of this, and we consider how we might improve them and how maybe they aren't actually as bad as people think. But Tom, what is 1960s science fiction BBC serial Doctor Who? Please read the Wikipedia page as you do start of every episode. Oh, good idea. Doctor Who, citation needed, is a show. <laughs> Doctor, um, citation that... needed. Who, citation yeah. needed, is yeah. citation needed. <laughs> Doctor Who, citation needed, citation provided by the Timeless Children. Um, no! <laughs> this, cita- this citation may be, may be overwordy or overly complex. Please consider like replacing podcast. it with something that makes a little bit more sense and includes looms. <laughs> looms. Oh. Looms. Always include looms. This podcast needs more looms. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, a I loom think from, child. From here, from here, we're all loom children. We're we're all lumatics. <laughs> John, Chris, call me John Lumic. I was I was literally just about to say that. That's <laughs> no, you deeply were. frustrating that you got there before me. Yeah. Well, there's, there's like not we many know of each other. There's, yeah, I know. In a podcast. <laughs> it's like there's a reason why we've chosen to do this podcast with one another rather than just being assigned to one another. No, we record this separately and edit it together with scripts, as we've established. Yeah. It's, because... it's amazing how well it fits together. It's all, almost every almost every single sentence that we say follows on from the previous one, but we're just guessing. Yeah, and that's why I need to go to the zoo. That's right, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, what, what episode are we doing today? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, Fear Her by Matthew Ooh, Graham. It's a big one. Now, this this was in some ways quite a obvious choice. Fear Her yeah. came at the bottom of the recent poll that's just come out, uh, ranking all of the 10th Doctor episodes. It's yeah, and Doctor Who magazine. Generally, it's, it's, you know, Doctor Who magazine. Yes, thank you. It's, it's, it's kind of a go-to. Bad episode, uh, I think, yeah. people say, in modern modern Who. Yeah. It was, um, it was written by Matthew Graham, uh, who... Mm-hmm. Only wrote one other thing for Doctor Who that we'll get to at some point. I think oh, no. uh, he also he also wrote um, the well known series Life in Life on Mars. Life on Mars um, <laughs> about yeah. people living in Mars, right? Yeah, yeah it's about the Ice Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Warriors yeah he also wrote li- he also wrote Life on Mars, and so maybe it's fair to say that Fear Her is a god awful small affair. And that was the joke that I was going to um, do. Tom's been hyping this joke up for a long time, and I yeah, don't. And I think it's absolutely. I don't get worth. it. <laughs> it's probably to do with like David Bowie or or John Sim or driving brown cars in cop shows. Uh, I don't, three, I don't yeah. know. Or three. three. Wow. Um. As, you yeah, know, as I as I did my the David day, Bowie you know, song. The David Bowie song "Life on Mars" starts with the lines, "It's a god awful small affair." I prefer ground control to Major Tom. Some sociopath in a big coat has just knocked out the Olympic torchbearer and is legging it. Major I, Tom, stop him! Yeah, Enter the I, I, re- I really love the yeah. I really love the idea um, that. Uh, you know, people up on the ISS are being given live yeah. updates about what's happening in the Olympics. Like Major Tom, I know like that I know that you're probably doing important scientific tests right now, but we've got to tell you about <laughs> Major the Tom. Stop determining whether seeds can grow in space. Save the Olympics. So, uh, as you as you might be able to tell, listeners, uh, David is of course a David Bowie super fan and knows am, everything about David. My Bowie. favorite David Bowie is the Doctor Who companion in the comics, Jones, who is David Bowie. 
um, That's brilliant. from from the Titan comics. Uh, and yeah, no, he is da- like he is David Barry. He has his own character called Zavi Moonburst. I mean, they don't really they don't really disguise it very well. <laughs> it's not subtle. Doctor, nothing. No one said anything about Titan comics being subtle. They're not subtle. David, would you like to, would you like to do the honors of yeah. running through basically Go what on. happens in what happens in Fear Her? Yeah, I, I'll do it from memory because I've not watched it for a little while. There's something strange going on in the Ooh. neighborhood. Something strange in the neighborhood. What's the neighborhood, David? Where's the neighborhood? Dame Kelly Holmes Close, which is just outside yeah. London, and yes, well I, I aspire to live in Dame name. Kelly Holmes. Kelly Holmes. Dame Kelly yeah. Holmes Close is where we all want to live. I mean, that that could be like a you know, Dame's Kelly Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's all, yeah, let's all go and live there. That would be great. So Dame's Kelly's Holmes Close. There's strange goings on in this kind of, I say middle-class-ish estate people are disappearing kids are disappearing and so the doctor and rose arrive in this midst there's a atmosphere of paranoia and pretty quickly they zero in on the daughter of one of the residents um the mum is tish Weber, who is played by is it nina nina sasanya who's brilliant she's is excellent in this yeah. Uh, as well. One of my notes for this does just say Nina Sasanya is really, really yeah, good. That's one of my notes as well. Uh, and, a, <laughs> and her daughter, Chloe Weber, um, played by Abisola Agbaje. And it turns out that she's kind of been possessed by a lonely little space seed jellyfish thing called the Isolus. And it's mm-hmm. because she's also feeling very, very lonely and lost. And it gives her the power to kind of draw people and steal them and suck them up into some weird two-dimensional drawing universe using the power of uh, i believe ionization it's i think yeah. i think what gives her the power to do this and yeah i think it's ions yeah as events start to get well, it's always ions the kind of climax of the episode is that chloe whips out some pencils that she's for some reason hidden beforehand in a doll uh, it's something we'll get to but she seems yeah. to know what's coming <laughs> and she starts she's already kidnapped the doctor and she starts to try and... Well, first she kidnaps the whole of the Olympic Stadium because this is happening as the Olympics open in 2012. And then she starts to draw the entire world to try and yep. kidnap the whole world, which uh, something I didn't think of when I was watching it, actually. That would mean she would also be in it and it would be some kind of horrible recursive loop like what happens in um, in Logopolis. So... Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and then in the end, yeah. luckily... There's a they, number of questions. Rather than save the world with the power of friendship, they save the world by finding the SOS's spaceship and throwing it into a fire. And it then has the energy so that the weird space jellyfish seed thing can leave Chloe Weber and fly into and the so, sky. Yeah. And Somehow, it does it. It's yeah, about loneliness ca- and drawing and... Th- and there's, a, there's one other plot thread as well that I want to just remind us of here, Domestic actually, abuse? which is... Yes, so um, yeah, Chloe has a drawing it. of her her, dis- her absent father, who um, well, he's dead. I think is dead. He's yeah. dead. Yeah, he uh, died yeah. like a year before the episode. Car crash or something. Yeah, traffic collision. Yeah, he was an abusive father. An abusive father. Chloe has this sort of living drawing of him yeah. in the back of her cupboard and is quite scared of it throughout. Yeah, yeah. and it, it does speak occasionally and say, oh, Chloe, I'm coming to get you, I'm coming down the yeah. stairs, and they defeat yeah. him with the power of singing because a song, song. 
the Kookaburra song, which is, and this is genuinely true, still stuck in my head. I've been singing that song <laughs> pretty repeatedly since this episode came out in 2006. Genuinely. Kookaburra sits in the old oak tree. Is it old oak tree or gum tree? Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. Merry, merry king of the bushes. Kookaburra Kookaburra gay your life must be. And they do laugh, and I love Kookaburras. They're very sweet. And some of the plot feds work better in this than others uh or more i think actually it's more accurate to say different parts of all the plot feds work better than other parts of yeah. them because i think every of yeah. all the plot feds has something to it but bits and pieces don't work so i've got a bit of trivia before we launch yes, right into the it, yeah. likes if we don't so just a few things uh the working title was chloe weber destroys the earth which is not a thing that happens in any but also fear her also to be absolutely fair fear her is also not a thing that happens i think nina nina sasonia is scared of her yeah that's she is scared it. of her daughter that's yeah. yeah again that's one of the that's one her. of the things that really works the thing that doesn't work is that nobody else <laughs> no one else is afraid of her. Fear her. And in fact as as something we'll get to rose just looks up to the window and goes it's the girl it's the girl that's doing it it's like how do you surmise this she's just looking out her window there's quite a few shortcuts in the script here, aren't there? Um, it's um, got 5.9 on IMDb, and as Tom said, last on David Tennant's list of the Doctor Who magazine poll. Or rather, Doctor Who magazine's list of the David Tennant poll. I don't think David Tennant ranked this last. I, I, Maybe David Tennant I probably know. has some rankings. In the other Doctor Who magazine polls, when they used to poll every episode before, I think, Colin Baker got angry and they stopped, it came 192nd out of 200 episodes in 2009. Oh, yes. And in 2014... 240th out of 241, I think probably the bottom was Twin Dilemma, which mm. is probably why Colin Baker was so angry. But at the time, kids what, did what like it. What we're dealing it. with here, basically, is an episode that nobody nobody is really going to bat for it. Even I like it. Of, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I think I, I understand why this is the one that has been fixated on by fans, I think. I think there's a degree to which this has become the most socially the... acceptable episode to or yeah. at least the most socially acceptable tenant era episode say is like the worst one there's nothing there's no element of it really i don't think that people are going to be like no you can't say it's bad because of it like it, it it is not great although i will say like i said yeah. kids liked it at the time and i really liked this episode um to be we gotta remember though it was so it was a low budget basically replacement yeah. for a script Stephen Fry had I don't think he'd yeah, written it or maybe there. had which is what 1920s about King Arthur I'm not sure we actually have much details on that I tried to find any more information but it would have been a Stephen Fry episode which would have been really cool that would have been fascinating yeah there's a few tantalizing details circulating about this interestingly the episode that I've sometimes heard as the one that replaced it in series three is Blink which uh is, yeah uh, that makes n- sense. Night, and, <laughs> night and day from this one <laughs> it's a bit isn't it can I give you one more bit of trivia? All right. So the old lady who talks to Rose mm-hmm. and the Doctor at the start, the, the yeah. character's name... Oh, no, so the actress's name is Edna Dore, D-O-R-E, uh, who okay. was Mo Butcher from EastEnders. And I've heard of her. I've not seen EastEnders. Uh, and I found out some stuff about her. Her husband in the show was named Chike Butcher, C-H-I-K-E. Right. Which is interesting. She loses multiple jobs due to her interference says wikipedia she was sacked from the brownies for lying about her age and then she dies off screen from alzheimer's that's that character but the man who wrote most of that storyline that i've just described in eastenders was colin brake who's written escape velocity doctor adventure escape velocity as well as uh, many other uh, short stories i think he's written a few big finishes thinking about freezer crowd yeah (laughs) 
So there you go. That's the fun connection I found. That, that is a fun connection. You've That's been using connection, that fun connection for a while from, from It's quite good, isn't it? I, I, I'm very happy with that, yeah. Yeah, I can give one more, which is the guy who's driving the car. There's a, The thing with Fiha, one of the things, is that uh, cars keep breaking down, so the council have decided that obviously it means that the road needs re-tarmacking. Yes, that is a thing that can happen to yeah, cars. Yeah. I think this council might be embezzling money. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, the tarmacking costs £15 million, actually. Like, this is happening in London. Like, it's close enough to the Olympic Stadium that you can yeah. run from there to Stratford, the Doctor does at the end. it's really fast. So we're dealing with, like, kind of outer London here, like, east or northeast London, uh, sort of, like, upper Lee Valley in the first flushes of gentrification. Mm, now, and I'll get on to this later. But I, will, I will get on to this later, but um, most of the time that I was watching this episode, a part of my brain was trying to work out where in London it was, because <laughs> at the time that I watched this episode... I was hunting for a new flat in London. Oh, nice. And, um, <laughs> you thought, I want to live, I want to live in a fear her house. Well, yeah, so a little bit of my brain was thinking, would I, would I live, live here? Can Not I live? really. I don't really want can to. Can I live, I live where? To how close it is to the station, at least. <laughs> so the estate age is like, good house, some weird ionic-y kind of smells and a drawing of an angry man in the back of a cupboard. But besides that, it's okay. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but it's only £1,400 yeah, a yeah, month, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. ideal. Yeah. On, we've got keychain that's set in, but also possibly an evil ghost drawing man might come out of the walls. Listen, David, in, in the London housing market, you take what you can get, so let me tell you that. It's, it, there's worse houses in London. Oh, I've seen worse houses, yeah. I saw, this isn't going to make it into the podcast, but I saw one that uh, had a shower in the kitchen. The shower cubicle was just like, you know, right off the kitchen. If you were to put a bath mat down, the bath mat would be in front of the oven. You've got to be careful because you don't want to accidentally um, cook your <laughs> da, 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 da. Bomb. Uh, one more, One more bit of trivia. There's a car that stops pretty early in the episode yep. to demonstrate that the cars are going haywire here for some reason. Turns out it's the Isola ship under the tarmac kind yeah. of draining energy. Richard Nichols, who plays that character, played a character called Roger Pugh in the Tortured Audio more than this. And if I could only recommend one Tortured Audio and I wasn't allowed to recommend any of the Sergeant Andy ones, it would absolutely be more than this. It's a brilliant, brilliant audio. He's amazing in it. I'm going to give a little spoiler for it, though, because I feel like I have to, which is that his backstory, spoilers for more than this, guys, is his wife was killed when the sex gas meteorite distracted a driver. So this guy has been plagued by car trouble throughout he his life. He has. Yeah, those, those are my trivia. I suppose I could also say all the drawings in this, which are one of the, I mean, it's not on my list of things I like, but hey, they look like kids' drawings. And it's because all of them, yeah. except for the, the dad, were done by uh, a 12-year-old child named Indigo Fair. Rumbelow, which is almost Indigo Rainbow, under supervision by the director, I think. Hmm, cool. Thank you, Indigo Rumbelow. Yeah. I find it quite funny how sometimes Chloe draws them at normal speed, and sometimes her hand is like the flash, and she's like... <laughs> Should we go to things we like? Our favourite bits. Basically, quite a few of the things I've noted down, there's some really nice, just small moments here. They're completely disconnected from, you know, what this episode is about or what happens in it, but are just mm. really, really nice moments. Yes. The the one that I'm obviously going to mention is the the single funniest sight gag. I will never get tired of the bit at the start where the TARDIS materialises, facing that. a wall. The Doctor just sort of looks at it for a moment, is like, ah, oh. all right, and then turns it around. That that is not related to anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't need to. It's just a 
I hate the idea that it would. I hate the idea, and I love Big Finish, but I hate the idea there's a five-series Big Finish arc in that time the Doctor landed facing a crate. No, that's what it's called. That time the Doctor landed facing a a crate, starring Colin Baker as the curator. The crater. The crater, exactly. I really like uh, the bit where the Doctor just starts eating something out of a jar for no discernible reason. The Doctor just sees a jar, dips his finger into it and licks it, and Rose is like, uh, with her face communicates the sentiment, what the hell are you doing here? It's just it's absolutely, it's absolutely dominance. brilliant. I knew in advance that I was going to talk about W1A at some point during this podcast, <laughs> so I may as well say it now that this Fantastic is show. I find it very funny that... Um, uh, yeah. Nina Sasanya and David Tennant meet in Doctor Who in an yeah. episode about the Olympics, which is what WI. What 2012 was about. I'm I think it says this. something about Fear Her that we are doing everything <laughs> but talking about Fear Her. <laughs> no, no, no. Can I tack on to what you were saying about Nina Sasanya, though? Because yes. her performance is great. She does. She's funny. Yeah, phenomenal. She's emotional. She, even though I don't think so, the girl playing Koei Webber, to be fair to her, in the scenes where she's not possessed by the Osolus at the end, she's quite good. It's just that yeah. she's just been told clearly to just play this blank, nothing version. But when she's with yeah. her, she's got good chemistry with, um, I'm going to double check her name again, with Abisola. She's got good chemistry with yep. her. She's got good chemistry with everyone. Um, yeah. She does the fear and being afraid of her daughter, being afraid of her ex-husband. Yeah, she does exactly. Yeah. Extremely well. She, she carries she, she it. She sort really. of feels like the only real person real in the episode. part of it. Yeah, yeah. And then it feels like Kel, she has actual emotional reactions to things. Then, yes, we also have Council of Council Ka- Kel. Council Kel, who is the meme. I forget I his name. I love it on the internet. The actor's name, is it? Abdul Salas, yeah. Yeah, Abdul Salas. He is actually, I know he's like a meme, right? He's like, oh, my council axe and my yeah. council this and my council yeah. embezzlement scheme for which I'm now on the yeah. run, you know? Like, all that. Actually, he is quite good. Like, he's funny. He is good, yeah. He's got charisma. He's a cartoon sidekick for Rose, basically. Yeah, and they've got good chemistry as well. Those two performances from guest characters, really fun, actually. Another thing that I really liked yep. is that right at the start of the episode, before they actually, before Rose makes a massive leap of logic and realises it's Chloe Webber, they're, all the residents are really paranoid. They're walking around. Yeah. They're not letting their kids play outside. They don't know what's going on. And actually, they do a really, really good job of setting up the tension. And then it devolves into a, an argument between all the residents and yeah. also, I mean, and Council Kel, and also Council Kel's like assistant who never speaks. And they all are just arguing with each other and shouting. And it's very like Midnight. That where it is, yeah. All, there's like, there's a ghost of something brilliant in there. I've got... Yeah, I, I, will I think that talking, works really well. I'll be talking about this in the things that go wrong section. Yeah. Because oh, okay. I, this could be punched up to something really, really good. But as it is, it's a bit anodyne. I think the opening is what's really strong in Fear Her. I think Fear Her is a quite strong opening. I think it's quite a strong ending. But the middle kind of 35 minutes is, is not... Great. <laughs> Which is unfortunate for a 45-minute episode. But yeah, it's kind of related to what you're saying here. That there's nothing There's nothing wrong with the premise here. It's a strong premise. The premise of people are in a sort of suburban kind of fringes of the city area and people are mysteriously going missing, which is making everybody paranoid. And it's all to do with some kind of killer art. And eventually the companion has to step up and save the day because the Doctor is put out of action. Is a brilliant premise. Yep. As you can see by the fact that that's yeah, a flatline. Yeah, as you said that, as you said that out <laughs> yeah. loud, I was like, wait a minute. Hang on, I, yeah. I mean, listen, I think flatline is fine. One more little thing. And hey, this is not something I can really speculate on too much because it's not something I've experienced. But the domestic abuse kind of subplot in it, mm-hmm. I think it is handled 
quite sensitively. But I think for me, as an eight-year-old watching this, I got mm-hmm. it. And yeah, I got I, it I without it agree. saying, well. this is about domestic abuse. I think that to convey it to such a young kid in a way that I felt quite clever and quite involved to get it, I think is is good. I, I think that's good. I think it's a good thing to include. And I think that including it in this way is appropriate for Doctor Who. Let's see if I have... I, one more thing that I like, just a little thing, which I thought was dumb but funny. Uh, so at the start, uh, the first thing that the Doctor and Rose see happen is a cat disappears. Oh, I was going to mention um, the cat. That was my yeah. other thing I was going to say cat, about the cat. The, the cat goes in a box, right? It just walks into a box. <laughs> and then it screams. And then it, the yep. scream fades out. So it's like, and it's the dumbest... It's one of the it's, dumbest it's things I've seen in anything. Silly. Ever. Yeah. Like, of any yeah. show... It's, anything I've ever watched. It's sort of it's, it's so spectacularly stupid that it feels like <laughs> so good. I don't know. In some in some ways it's good because it feels like the episode being like, yeah, okay, you got us. Hands up, this is a silly one. <laughs> on on Clay Webber's wall as well, there's lots of drawings of things she's kidnapped. One of the pictures is just a worm in a millipede, which is a <laughs> boring <laughs> boring two dimension, isn't it? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody noticed them going missing, did no, they? No. All the biologists in the area are like, there's one less worm than I counted yesterday. No! <laughs> Chloe Webber! It's, the episode should have been called Chloe Webber Destroys Millipedes. That should have been, and it's just about Chloe Webber Chloe, destroying Chloe Webber local... destroys the worm. Yeah. <laughs> it's about her destroying the local leaf litter environment. Yeah. No biodegradation won't occur at the correct rate. Just all the, all the zoologists like like rubbing their hands, like uh, the species quotient has, has decreased, has decreased. Dame, it's like, could it be maybe I don't know the building of a massive estate and train line in this area? No, 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 evil, evil drawing child. The critics' corner. Do you want to go first? Go on, give me something you don't like, and I'll fix it. I think that there's, as we've said, this episode has got a lot of potential to be about things. I think that there's the potential for a really good bit of social commentary here. People are uh, like people are being forced out of their homes because of the Olympics, and you know, and by gentrification. Is that? Are they? Is that well, happening? No, I mean, in, no. In the re- in the real world, David. Oh, people in the real are forced world, out right. of their homes because of the Olympics and the um, horrible, but not uh, not gentrification, gentrification, uh, urban never. regeneration, the urban regeneration no. schemes in uh, Stratford. Yeah, it's a thing. Look it up later. Not gen gen gentleman rification. Yeah, I know, right? I'm aware of gentrification. Um, My cousin used to live in Brighton, and now he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Basically. Um, this is an episode, and people are living in fear, but nobody really cares about it from the outside world, mm. because everyone's looking at a big festival happening next door. Yeah. People care more about this than, you know, actual problems. I think there's the potential for that to be, yeah. you know, something quite sharp and cutting. I think more so now. I mean, obviously the Olympic stuff like that was happening, yeah. but I think it's that stuff has come into a much sharper focus in the last few years Absolutely, yeah. with the current government that we have. Yes, uh, a lot has come out recently about the absolute shocking mismanagement of the Olympic legacy. The Olympics was great. Like, it was really fun. Yeah, I loved, I it. I loved to... going to the Olympics as well. I went to see the fencing. I saw the first day athletics. I saw Jess Grannis. Nice. Um, which was oh, cool. It was, it was cool. And we sat, speaking on from your point, and I think that goes to one of mine as well, what you can do is, 
take that thing about how everyone cares about this and actually say, but hey, maybe you can care about both because the Olympics and stuff is can be about being together. Yeah. Another criticism I think of mine. The Olympics is just almost tacked on. It doesn't feel like yeah. it's relevant. And even the way at the end, oh, it's the power of magic and friendship, basically, that saves them with the spirit of the Olympic flame that sends the Isolus off. But like... That could have been anything. Thematic, yeah. exactly. And it's not thematic enough in the episode, the episode's about yeah. loneliness, but it doesn't tap into it hard enough to then make it seem that togetherness is the solution. Yeah. It's too, it's too surface level. Yeah, and then also the distrust of the community, of this community towards one another as well. If that's healed yeah. by, as you say, this sort of like togetherness with people that you don't yeah. know, united by some shared thing. Um, yeah, I yeah, think it's a lot for one parter. I think is the issue because you can set up lots of other families, you can have more characters, but then there's just not going to be enough I don't room. Think I don't the, think in a yeah, I don't know. I don't think you don't want this as a two parter. No, 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 you definitely don't want this as a two parter. There's not enough. <laughs> fear her part one. Fear her part two. The first, the first time. Fear of, her part one. Fear her even more. Fear her volume one. Fear her <laughs> volume two. It's like Kill Bill. <laughs> so, okay, instead of the bride, it's Chloe Weber. I think that the the pacing isn't great. It yeah. can become very boring and it can leap ahead very quickly. Uh, Rose, like we're saying, pretty much just looks up to the house, sees Chloe looking out through the window and goes, it's the girl. The mum's scared of her. She's yeah. barely seen a Trish yeah. at all. Then there's a bit where, so they've taken the pencils and off Chloe and left her in a room, which yeah. seems insane because she's possessed by an alien. And... Chloe then goes to her doll and pulls off the doll's head, and in the doll is yeah, pencils. She's got secret pencils, yeah. But why would she have that? Because they've not been confiscated before and they've not set that up. I think those are the two big ones I have. I'm not sure if you have any more. But again, it's, you just tighten up the script, really. Yeah, there's some, another point on the momentum as well that I was going to mention, that um, the ending is is all over the place, really. There are, so there are three separate endings here. Rose finding the... I saw a spaceship and lobbing it at the torchbearer as he goes past. Ending <laughs> triumph. Which oh, maybe kills him. Not here. And then there's another ending, which is the um, the drawing of the abusive father coming down the stairs and then singing the kookaburra song. Yep. And then it's like, oh, brilliant, resolved. Oh, or is it? Only then do we get, then get the third ending, which is that the Doctor has, for reasons unknown to anyone, inveigled his way into the torch procession, nicked the torch and run to Stratford. Well, there's, there's, there's a fourth and fifth ending as well. Because well, the fourth yeah, ending, the... when Rose and the Doctor are like, oh, something's coming, teeing up the finale. Yeah. There's the fifth ending where you turn it off and go lie down <laughs> and think about what you've done. The, oh, a storm's approaching line is intensely irritating, but I can understand, <laughs> you know, oh, it would have walked, worked better on broadcast and it works well with, it It works well to go from it's this fine. upbeat, oh, he said, he said ev- I was everything's absolutely die fine mood to this sort of like, to the trailer for Army of Ghosts. That works well. Which I find it amazing, actually, watching a trailer for Army of Ghosts, that straight up, there's no mystery. It's Cybermen, guys. Look, it's the yeah. Cybermen. They're here. We're doing Cybermen. And I guess I guess the point of it is that... Yeah, that's good. Hi, yeah. it's but, the Daleks, actually. That being said, there is a point in the trailer where you see the classic Dalek gun effect and like the, somebody turning into a skeleton and then dying. Do you? So it's sort of... T- yeah, it tips its In the trailer for there. Army of Ghosts? Yep. It doesn't happen in Army well, of Ghosts, though. I know. Well, also, so I, I think there's a couple of wow. there's a couple of things that also don't happen in Army of Ghosts that happen well, in the trailer. Most there's, things, that yeah, like the sort of the road, in the like world. the kind of the um, scene of the soldiers shooting at Cybermen on Tower Bridge or whatever. Oh yeah, that's true. That's Doomsday. Doomsday as well. Why? Yeah. Why doesn't the doctor? Once again, just... we are not talking about fear. Yeah, well, 
why doesn't the doctor just run up to the void sphere of the Olympic torch and just resolve it in in Army of God? I don't understand why the doctor doesn't just use everyone's happiness at the Olympics to like ascend to space Jesus or whatever, uh, like he does yeah. in in the next series, and just blow up the Daleks like. Uh, yeah, like also, Marvel why doesn't the Doctor find an Isolus and then get the Isolus <laughs> to draw all of the Daleks yeah. and pass them in drawings forever? <laughs> what happened to Scott? Instead of in Remembrance of the Daleks, where the hand roving and goes up, it's just Chloe Webber, like, <laughs> drawing Scarrow. It's like, oh, I don't know what it looks like. Unlimited oh, no, crayons! <laughs> oh, I got Mars accidentally. Just drawing the wrong planets, got Vito exact, getting different planets. Oh, Which is the one with the rings, right? No, no, that's no, Saturn. Oh, no, all the galaxies. Oh, too late, too late. Wait, she's drawing. No, Gallifrey. Woo! Cliffhanger. Um, it's more like. <laughs> it was the stuff of Dr. Cliffhanger, isn't it? Weirdly, weirdly enough, this does actually kind of come up something that I was going to bring up oh, as no. it so happens. Go on. It does, actually. Basically, I think another big problem with the story is. That the the actions of the Isolas are incredibly arbitrary. There are there are no limits on what the Isolas and Chloe can yeah. do. With ions, isn't it? There's no particular reason why it doesn't just decide to draw the entire world and capture all of its people until the end of the episode. Yeah, it's because it's losing Chloe Webber, right? I think there's a there's a um, logical there's some logic at least. Well, there's a bit, but I don't know. The logic that's spelled out in the episode is um, I want more friends. I've drawn a friend. Uh, that's not friends. enough friends. That's not enough, friends. I'd better draw the, more the Olympic Stadium. All right, I guess I'd better draw the entire world. If you set this in 2023, none of this happens because yeah. Chloe Webber's just on TikTok. She, you know, yeah. just, that's, well, well done. That, that, is our, that is our joke for the uh, 50-year-old audience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm now picturing the terrifying version of Fear Her that instead of drawings, it's about making TikTok videos. It could happen. It's not impossible. I can imagine it being on, like, Chris Chibnall's whiteboard. Of like you know, what are the kids like TikTok? I mean, it's it's a terrifying prospect. Yeah, I think I think if that episode were to ever be made, I would burn not just all my Doctor Who stuff, but my house down and myself. (laughs) Uh, And and I love Doctor Who, and I have no problem with making anything. But I just think that would be the moment in which I realised that the world. You know, this isn't my world anymore, right? It's like if the dinosaurs came back now, and it'd be like, no, no, we we shouldn't exist here. We must. We must die. As, as of what course, are you talking about? If the dinosaurs cool. came back, they'd have a whale of time. Well, I've seen Jurassic World Dominion, of course, so I know full well that everything goes cool. Like, there's dinosaurs in Rome messing around near, like, St. Peter's Basilica. They're loving it. Big, big old megalodon that only, of course, exists in um, in the sea now. In Jurassic World Dominion, they're not real. And they're, uh, sorry, no, they are real. They're alive still, as Tom knows. That's not the case. I have, those... ongoing, I have an ongoing bet with an 11-year-old whether or not they're going to find a megalodon in the sea. I think they will not. May, may the best man win. Smash cut to a year on. Tributes pour in to history PhD student killed in surprise megalodon attack in yeah. the sea. In the in sea. His will, he left what he... <laughs> In, in, the in, the sea. Sea. in his will, he uh, left five pounds to a random kid. This just remind me a little bit. There was uh, a there was a Scottish paper. It was the first paper to report on the Loch Ness monster, as like the yeah. Inverness Post or something. And they ran a headline once that was, um, it was I think it was Inverness man dies at sea. They were referring oh. to the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no one, no one has ever proved that the Loch Ness monster isn't an iceberg. Oh, well, I mean, that's, you're, you're right. 
Some people think that the Lost Monster was summoned by Alistair Crowley, but that's besides the point. Um... For one, for one beautiful and terrifying moment, I thought you were going to say Alistair Campbell. <laughs> Get the f- out of that lock, you f- lockless f- monster! I'll shove these Paleolithic bones off your f- sheath. I've not seen the thick of it, but. I'm imagining. <laughs> it sounds like you've got everything you need yeah, to. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of bleeping there, I think. Yeah. Um, can I give my last um, personal criticism? Yeah. I suppose this is more of like a way to improve it. I like the Scribble Monster, such as it is called. Oh, uh, yeah. Matthew Graham specified, that, and indeed they don't use the word monster in the script, that the Doctor would never call something a monster, which is quite nice. Yeah. It's like Scribble Creature. I think it's cool. Yeah. I like him like erasing it. That's, that's really cool. It's a great effect. Have more of them. Like, first of all, there's no reason that it just shows up in that garage, by the way. It just, like, appears in the garage. There's no reason it's there. Yeah. Again, it everything is very arbitrary and yeah, convenient. Yeah, it's super arbitrary. The Isolus does whatever is required for it to do. Here's how to add more tension. Outside, tons of squirrel monsters are appearing. All these things are just moving close, moving around, smashing up stuff. Like, that would have been a... I mean, I imagine it might have stretched the effects budget for this low-budget episode. That would add more tension. It, I think the effect's pretty cool, so I would reuse it. The other thing is, and this is not to be harsh on the actress, but Chloe Webber is just not great to watch. Like, yeah, you know, I, think it's... I don't think she, she... She was founded, like, an after-school acting club by the casting director. She's... Right. At the end, when she's, like, acting and playing a kid, like a normal kid, she's good. Yeah. She's good. She's not annoying, which is a big thing you get with a lot of kid actors in Doctor Who. I think in a better episode, if she is flipping quite dramatically between a sort yeah. of non-possessed high energy, and then actually what that gives is actually more realistic representation of what kids undergoing strain can be like, actually, where they are very changeable. It would be good to have that tension there and for the episode not to be hung on a, a child actor being required to play uh, somebody who's had all the personality sucked yeah, out of them exactly. by an alien that likes crayons. Also, her powers are pretty poorly defined, as you said. It's pretty arbitrary what she can yeah. and can't do, um, yeah. what she can and can't I mean, it's kidnap. sort of justified in that this is a child we're dealing with that is doing things impulsively and having these sort of like, yeah. like tantrums and fits of anger. But it is also still, why does, why does it draw the Doctor and get him and then in the whole sequence where Rose is clearly trying to stop her, why doesn't she just draw Rose? Yeah. On on the topic of the drawings, actually, it does remind me that there's a sequence that doesn't happen often where the drawings like move. Um, like there's like a kid that runs towards the foreground yeah. of a drawing. Really cool. Looks really good. Quite scary. Quite disturbing. In fact, the way where you yeah. turn around and you look back and the drawings have all changed. That's that's creepy. Yeah. That's creepy, man. Yeah, bit weeping angelly. Really good. Really, really, very good. And actually, this is reminding me. There's a bit. The bit where Rose is like trying to get. Chloe to bring the doctor back after she's done it. I've just got a yeah. note here that says, What if Rose just snapped her neck? Like, whatever. Rose is like, No. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I, I mean, that'd be fascinating. Because um, um, we want to add one swear. We like to try and add one swear yeah. as a doctor who here on Always Foolish. And I think yeah. that is the perfect rope for Rose just to go, <laughs> Snap. <laughs> I would be a little bit tempted to put it right at the start where the doctor materializes <laughs> facing the wrong way, looks out the thing and quite reflectively says, <laughs> and then just turns around. Leaves and actually never rematerializes. That's the rest of the episode. In fact, I should do an edit where um, it's to start to fear her, but he says, ah, he turns around, Tars dematerializes, and then it just sort of stays there for like 15 seconds in the credits roll. Better episode, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other bit that's really nice actually just reminded me. 
is the bit where, where Chloe does the Star Trek thing back to the Doctor oh, at the yeah. end. Yeah, that's It's nice. really nice. It's so nice. Yeah. Um, again, more of that. I don't know if she wanted to be an actress or not. Seriously, I hope this didn't wasn't the thing that stopped her. I don't think so because she's not got any other credits at all. I think that it's she had potential, and I think that she's a su- I let think down. The script had just been script. slightly more to yeah. I do think now that maybe it would have been better if the script, if the story had been about the Doctor and Rose trying to connect with Chloe rather than just trying to stop her because the solution doesn't come from them sort of reaching some kind of understanding with her. It doesn't come from them sort of realising this sort of abusive history uh, that she's endured. It just comes from Rose being like, oh, I see, it's that bit in the road where there's a bump. (laughs) Kel, give me your council pickaxe that you have, your mattock. I think think if this was a big finish... By yeah. I must say, if this is a big finish by James Goss, and people listen to a lot of big finish, you know what I'm getting at. He does a lot of these audios where they're kind of a lot of little scenes of, very, of like different planets and places and stuff. I think what this is is one where they take with her mum, they take her on some trips in the TARDIS, and she slowly starts to ease up. And as she starts to ease up back on Earth, people start gradually reappearing. But then, obviously, there's a stumbling block, and they all go again, and then one big final push, and she finally accepts friendship. I think that would be the kind of thing you might do. But again, that is, in my head, that's how a big finish would work. But it, it would be would very, be very different to fear her. It yeah, it would be yeah. very different. It'd it, be very expensive. Like, as if well, flat out would not work in this context, because they had a budget, they had a budget of like, you know, 20 quid. But this is a, a kind of Doctor Who is magic. Yeah. Like, kind of doing the kind of thing Love and Monsters attempts to do about what it's like to be a Doctor Who fan. It could almost be what it's like to be a lonely kid who loves Doctor Who. Who sort of, like, finds Doctor Who, who, finds Doctor as, Who. like, their solace. Yeah. And that, that could be, a, a, obviously, it's a totally really different story. So it's not really... A, here's yeah. how to fix fear. Write a different <laughs> episode. But um, yeah, here's, here's how I think you should fix fear. So I reckon instead of a council estate, right, it's in a sort of like mystic. It's in a mysterious rotating castle. castle. And instead of a scribble <laughs> monster, of... there's this old veiled woman. <laughs> instead of Chloe Webber, it's just Peter Capaldi. And instead of around. instead of Trish the mum, there's loads of skulls in a lake. Yeah, and instead of Rose, there's a spade. <laughs> and a picture of Clara, a character that's not yet been introduced. Yeah, I I think that. You're right. Heaven Sent is a better episode than Fear Her. Yeah. I, so, I mean, we're, we're saying it how it is here, really. We are saying the unpopular unpopular truths. You know, I don't know why... I don't know why we're not more popular. This hasn't been released. <laughs> Shall we look at the wider criticisms of the episode? Yeah. I think one of the big ones is... Mm-hmm. It's sort of... Um, it's a criticism of series two as a whole, and it's one that I've got some sympathy for, and it can be boiled down to the Doctor and Rose are very annoying. Yeah, and do you know what? I usually agree, but actually in Fear Her, I actually really like their dynamic, weirdly. Maybe The Idiot's Lantern is probably the episode most responsible for it. Messing around with the motorbike at the start, the bit where they irritatingly say hi, um, <laughs> hi! in Idiot's Lantern. Yeah, that's etched. That's etched Should we do it? Brain. Should we do it? Okay. Hi. I'll think it up. Anyway, we'll, we'll make <laughs> that as the we'll make that the intro to each episode, shall we? <laughs> no, we won't. I want to have some listeners. Yeah, there are bits where they're quite annoying here. There's a degree to which you can kind of counter this criticism by saying, "Well, sort of." That's the point. 
it's a criticism that doesn't really work because, to be fair, it's not actually the Doctor and Rose's actions uh, that lead to everything happening, and it doesn't lead to their separation because what actually leads to their separation yeah, is that Rose doesn't have good enough grip strength. Rose was not doing her arm day. She's just leg day, yeah. so she's like, she can run, which is it's just a promise. It's like a core thing with the companions, right? It's companions need to run. So they put all yeah. their points into legs. It's how I play yeah, D&D. She, legs, she arms, and those... head. Rose with massive arms. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Picturing very old David Tennant, giant-armed Billy Piper. Um, <laughs> I've got to go to the <laughs> gym, <massive>. Doctor. <laughs> no, please, Rose. I'm so old and tired. Let me be Matt Smith. No! Will he go to the gym with me? <laughs> he will, if he's training to be Morbius, to be evil Morbius in Morbius. I'm sorry, ne- did you say the Morbius Doctor? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I've got another criticism that, this is one I've yeah. seen a lot as well, definitely ties in with the Rose Doctor kind of annoying thing, is that there are loads of sort of self-aggrandizing moments in this episode, particularly the Olympic torch. It's too much, yeah. it's too cheesy. I'm. It's very 2006. Yeah, it's hard I like to imagine. It to be Russell, fair. It's hard to imagine Russell signing off on something quite this celebratory and nationalistic these days. Yeah, I don't think that's happening now. I I do like it though. To be fair, I think it it is cheesy, but it's a cheesy episode. Um, I think it's camp. I think it's camp in the right way. I think the really silly part of it is obviously how it is the solution to the episode in one of the many yeah. endings. I think again mm-hmm. we were saying again, make it more thematically relevant, like we were talking about yeah. at the start. Then, then it I think is. It's, it is I think it's also offset slightly by the fact that it's just come after the incredibly cynical Love and Monsters, and is about to go into the melodrama Gosh, it does, of. It does come off the back of Love and Monsters, doesn't it? Which is not a good yeah. two-episode run. I, I like. I like Love and Monsters. I know we'll be, you do. We'll get to that. I love that. I love the first two thirds of Love and Monsters. The and... idea behind Love and Monsters is great. Um, I've got another another quick one. Which is that it's a super cliche episode. So particularly the creepy kid, you know, mum's scared of her, does weird voices, she's lonely. Thing is, one, cliches work because they work. Cliches That's cliches why they're reused. Yeah. I actually think it's quite a unique combination of the creepy kid because of the... It's rare that they do creepy kid on extremely normal, bright day outside estate, yeah. first of all. I think that's more common now in horror movies, stuff like Insidious, yeah. which does a lot of stuff with like, hey, it's nice outside, but inside. Midsummer. It's, it's, very, it's very sunny in Midsummer. To be fair, I have seen Hereditary, and there's a lot of there's stuff at night, but there's a lot of daytime scenes in Hereditary that are also scary. Same same directors, of course. Another thing you should watch instead of Fear Her. It is incredible. Yeah. Midsummer's good as well. And great creepy kid stuff. Uh, I think. I will also one... say though, I, d- I don't think Doctor Who had really done creepy kids before. No, not in had it. modern. Well, who empty there might child, be one. Re- empty child is. Oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Remembrance of the Daleks. It's a bit different. Has yeah. the Dalek puppet girl, and she's quite spooky yeah. and weird. That's not the centerpiece of the episode there. And empty child is more zombies than creepy children. It's also quite a unique combo with the. If it was better to find, at least the drawing power set is different enough. Yeah. Um, but I think you just give Chloe and Trish more life. You know, you give them more of an internal life. You have this where Chloe is swapping between them. Maybe she treats the Isolus as an imaginary friend. Again, bit, uh, even more Lovely of a cliche. Nice, yeah. But still, it gives more character to Chloe Webber, which is what the episode needs. Because there is no, almost no her in yeah. the episode, really. It's just fear. Yeah. Which is less than not even name. that much fear. No. Sort of tepid. Tepid yeah. her. Uh, do you have yeah. any last um, wider um, criticisms? 
Got um, a couple of reviews, what, there's, but there's, what, there's one more one that I think I've seen a couple of people mention, um, and that I put in my notes anyway, and then found that other people had said this as well. It's just to do with the episode again, a sort of structural thing. Uh, I remember when I was when I was watching it, one of the main things I remembered about Fear Her was oh, the Doctor gets stuck in the drawing, and Rose has to save the day by herself. I was surprised by how late in the episode that actually yeah, happens. Yeah, it's fr- um, I thought it was earlier. Than also, I how actually. Rose doesn't actually do an Weirdly. awful lot. It's like. Rose is sort of only on her own for around five minutes or so. Really? Um, God, it feels like so much longer from my recollection. Yeah, may- maybe maybe ten minutes or so. But yeah, the Doctor gets crayoned quite late in the game. Clay Webber kills the Doctor. Yeah. In an improved version of this episode, like, obviously this is Rose's last um, sort of business as usual episode. So yeah. it would have been good to have this as the episode where Rose shows that she is, you know, capable of being doctor, an equal to the Doctor in her own right. She's turning and, into yeah, him, I think which it, is the thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I think this would have been very good if it had been about Rose basically acting as the Doctor. The Doctor gets taken out of action at the start and Rose has to do all of the uh, working it out herself. Maybe she's carrying the Doctor around and he sometimes helps her by passing her a comically large thing that she can pull out of her handbag. And maybe at the end there's a sequence with a train. Um, maybe they can like resolve it things. by getting the Isolus to pump kind of 3D energy into, oh, yeah, be good. Yeah. into the drawings, yeah, I'd like perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe at some point, uh, Council Kel can get sucked into the floor and have his leg yeah. be in the tarmac, and then it's Cal- It's uh, where the tarmac's been filled in. It's just Council Kel yeah. on yeah. the floor. Yeah, his final words are, I'm the council roads now. <laughs> my council tarmac with my council face. Joking aside, though, I do think that that is yeah, another area where just touch the episode up a little bit. Yeah. Make it more make it more Rose centric. Yeah, if I think this is, that... her, this is her last outing. She barely got anything to do in Love and Monsters. This is like Rose's last chance to do a business as usual sort of thing. Give it to her. Obviously, that ties in very well thematically with her arc. But yeah. also, Rose in the episode is the one who makes all the big weird logical leaps. So actually, yeah. the structure of it is already there. Yeah, the Doctor's just so you just need to add more connections. Um, I've got. Yeah. I've not got any more big criticisms, but I do have to finish off. I've got a couple of IMDb reviews. Yeah, right? let's hear them. So there was one review. It was three out of ten. Uh, they mm-hmm. said they hated it so much it got them to write a review, which they literally never do. They said literally, so I decided to actually check their account. And um, yeah, no, they're right. Actually, this is genuinely their only IMDb review. Fascinating that they hated it so much it prompted them to do something they've never done before, and yet they still gave it three out of ten. So yeah. they're not being unreasonable here. <laughs> you're right, and do you know what? When when you go on IMDb, you don't usually expect people to be like, I expected them to have 4,000 reviews, all negative, but no, they, they were telling the truth. Fair. Someone else pointed out that the Doctor seemingly leaves that torchbearer dead, having been struck by lightning. <laughs> just, just leave them on the floor and runs off. He is a doctor. He's medically trained, maybe. No, okay, that's fine. He's dead. I want. I think that's entire. I think that's entirely in character for the tenth Doctor as he is at this point in his <laughs> gives arm. Him a, gives him a kick. No, I want. I want the bit in. Um, you know the, the when Davros is telling the Doctor about all the people that have died from, <laughs> <laughs> from the Olympic torchbearer. How many people in. have died for you, Doctor? <laughs> Just in the in the flashback sequence, the doctor's like, "Wait, who's that guy?" Yeah. Devros is like, "Do you not remember the, there's one the torchbearer?" Where it's just like, like it's Council Case. Like he didn't die. It's like no doctor. He tripped and fell down the stairs three years later. It's like how do he you how do you know that? He didn't die. No doctor, but he lost his job at the council. Oh, no, and that meant everything to him. 
Oh, Doctor, but you don't understand. I know him so well. He pulls off his face and it's Council yeah. Carol. Do you like disguises? <laughs> of course, they are rather necessary when you happen to work for the Council. Council of Gallifrey? No. The Council of Unspecified Area in London. Add to script later. I think, I reckon, I think it's maybe in the it's in boroughs of either Enfield, Waltham Forest or Redbridge, I think. Enfield. Enfield would be really good because that's where the most famous haunting in England ever took place, the Enfield haunting. The other thing on IMDb, there were lots of seven and eights. There were a lot of low scores. Like, it's not got a high IMDb score, yeah. but a lot of people do enjoy it, do like it. I For me, I'm probably on like a five out of ten. I don't think it's actually, honestly. I'd say three. Like I'd say I'd probably it. say three. That's fair enough. I don't think his problems are fundamental, but I think it does have quite a few issues. Can I just give one, my favourite quote from any of these yep. positive reviews, though? Um, absolutely. This is my absolute favourite. It said, it even had me, a hardened Resident Evil fan, feeling tense a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, nice. we don't have time to unpack that, but there's a lot to unpack there. I've only played one Resident Evil game, and it was one of the single most uncomfortable, scary moments of my life. Resident Evil 7, which is, again, another thing to recommend, Stev Vera. And it's in, it's an incredible, terrifying, upsetting. It's also set in a weird house, and there's some weird kids in it. Hey, it's yeah, but David, the yeah, but David, answer me this: Right? Do they have secret crayons? Uh, there are some crayons in it. Are there? There's a creepy teleporting old lady in a wheelchair. I think. Do you know what? They could have called Fear Her Resident Evil. Like that would be equally as no, correct. They couldn't. A name. No, they couldn't because there's such a thing as like copyrights and lawsuits. I suspect because it's in a different um, context. You probably own it, but they do make TV shows. Yeah, I don't. I think they could have. I mean, that's all I've got to say. That's every, that's everything in my notes. So I think I might just uh, take another opportunity to go for my joke about how this is a god awful small affair. <laughs> Thank you. I love the movie Labyrinth. <laughs> right. um, I. Do you know what? I. 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 That's that's where we end. Thank you for listening, everyone. You can follow you us much. on the, the Twitter, which is what it's called, at Foolish Always. And you can follow me at David Lev Comedy. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter if you if you particularly want. You can follow me at TD underscore Musgrove. But if you do that, fair warning, it's mostly about history. Uh, and next time, Tom, do you have noted down what we're doing? I do have noted down what we're doing, and next time it might be next time it may well be a slightly longer episode than normal because we're oh, dealing yes. with not one episode but two episodes: Daleks in Manhattan slash Evolution of the Daleks. That's Whoa. right, guys. We're dealing with slash fit. Oh wow! Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.